We told me how to get how to get to Sesame Street. <laughs> Hold on. Hello, friends, and welcome to the fourth and final week of our series on Advent. Um, this week we're going to be talking about love, um, and we've 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 almost done it. Mm-hmm. We've done um, a podcast on hope, peace, and joy so far. Um, so if you haven't listened to those, you should go back and listen to them, um, and then come back to this one. Um, and so as a reminder, Advent is just like a time to reflect and look at in eager anticipation the coming of Christ. Well, to reflect on the first coming of Christ and to look forward in eager anticipation of the second coming of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a better way to say that. Um, and as we approach Christmas... We're only 10 days away when Sarah and I are recording this. We hope that this just, and when, I don't know when this will be released, the day before Christmas? No, the day after, wait, Christmas is on a Monday. It'll be on Christmas. Oh my gosh, Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! That's crazy! If you and Happy New Year! That's beautiful. Thank you. So, we hope this helps put you in a good mind and heart state as you celebrate Christmas. <laughs> And move on to the new year. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. So I'm going to get us started. Disclaimer. I don't have my notes complete. So the Holy Spirit (gasps) is... I know. The Holy Spirit is really going to be talking through me today. Um, Because we're winging it. Me and Anna are winging it. Queens. Honestly, yeah. We are. (laughs) Some I'm weeks, a, what is it? I will say some weeks. I'm a pantser, really, not a plotter. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I have literally, my notes are this. I have Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse, uh-huh. and that's it. And the rest is just in my head from what so I was thinking. So honestly, same. Until my last point, I did do some legit notes. But most of mine, I'm going to read the verses in the moment and, and we, kind of yeah. say my observations as we go. Um, so yeah, I figured we can kind of observe. So... I will, let's see, let's step back into Sarah um, mode, like my my Sarah Bible study prep mode. I think what I was thinking here <laughs> was, well, okay, no, I do remember. Okay, so when I was thinking about love, um, I was thinking about love according to God because Anna and I did a series on love based off 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 7, and here on the podcast, so you can go back and listen to those if you want, but... Um, then I was also thinking about a lot lately, um, even just outside of me trying to plan for this uh, podcast episode, I've been thinking a lot about what the world says love is and how badly, if we love if we love others the way that the world encourages us to love others, um, it's not true love and how, and it literally just, your life deteriorates. Mm-hmm. Like, it just deteriorates. It goes down the toilet. So many negative things happen and maybe not right away. But just as time goes on, there's just all these things that are just negative happening in your life based off of the way that you 
are loving someone to the best of, quote-unquote, to the best of your ability on your own without God and the way that you're wanting others to love you and and looking for that love. Did that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of where that my first little initial thought for all of this came from because I've been also watching. This is a good little tidbit also to say. I've been listening and watching this one woman on um, YouTube. I said another thing. It's Milena something. She's married and has some kids. And she has some really good biblical, at least so far everything I've listened to is biblical. I haven't listened to all of her videos. But um, she and her husband have a podcast. And then she also has a YouTube channel um, aside from the podcast. And she just has a lot of good biblical points on marriage and um, raising kids and just life in general. And so everything I've listened to so far from her has been really good, but it's made me really think about how I'm loving my husband. And so when I started looking up verses about this, I first started thinking of like how God wants me to love my husband, but also just my friends in general. So it's based off of that. And my points, like my observations that I might say in the moment may have nothing to do with that, but I just wanted to tell you where I kind of came with this because this has been a really hard thing for me is truly loving people with God's love. Mm-hmm. might sound crazy. You know, I'm over here leading a ministry with Anna here and I'm over here struggling to love people in a Christ-like way, but it's true. I have been struggling a lot with it. So my first verse is Matthew 5, or it's a few verses, Matthew 5, um, 40 through 42. I'm going to go ahead and read it. It says, And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Okay, so I'm just going to stop. So this is saying that if someone asks you to go one mile with them, sure, go the one mile. Be generous. Go the one mile. But this is saying go another one with them even though they didn't ask you to. Go an extra mile. Be extra generous. And so... But the world doesn't say that. Right. The world's love is very limited, right? So, like, yes, be generous. If they need help, help them. But then as soon as it steps into your circle of, mm-hmm. but I don't want to go an extra mile. Okay, so you don't have to. You have every right to say no. You know, but back, it's, back it's good enough that you just want the one. Yeah, it's good enough. You're doing a good deed, at least for the one mile. But this is saying, go another one. It doesn't say, if you don't want to, don't go another mile. It says straightforward, you go with him two miles. So, I don't know. Um, Romans 12.10 says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Romans 14.19 says... I have this in NLT and ESV, so I'm going to read it in both for a different perspective, kind of um, different wording. It says in the ESV version, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Then the NLT I really like, it says, so then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Hmm. Once again, and I know this is talking about in the church, but as we've read in the peace episode, I think it was, Mm -hmm. um, we were talking about how we are to, or maybe it was a different one. There was a recent episode of the podcast where we talked about how we are to strive for peace with everyone. Mm -hmm. And it was the one we did at the library. So whatever that one was. Um, One of the love ones. Yeah. And anyway, so (laughs) it was the irritable and resentful one. Yeah. Um, So we are to strive for peace with everyone. And like it said in the NLT, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Even though this is talking specifically about in the church um, the way it worded it in NLT, I'm going to apply this to everyone. 
not that we have the same beliefs as non-believers and we should be in harmony in that way because in the church body in Christ's family yes we should be in harmony with our beliefs we should be one in that but we should be striving for peace with those outside of God's family as well Mm -hmm. and we should still have that same maybe not with the way that we believe versus their beliefs but like we should still have harmony with them when it comes in the sense that there's not conflict and strife at all times because of us you know if it has to do with like they don't agree with you and god is leading you to say something against what they're combating against your belief like that's different there's going to be a bit of conflict there and god's leading you to do that sure but if it's just nonsense just for nonsense sake shut your mouth like Mm -hmm. don't you know have harmony have peace what you got we talked about this um at like the bible study that i'm a part of the other night because we're going through romans Mm -hmm. um about being a peacemaker versus being a peacekeeper Mm -hmm. and then let me see oh verse romans 13 talks about um verse 8 says oh no one anything except to love each other for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law Mm -hmm. so like your only law that you abide by should be love. Yeah. And sometimes that means, like Sarah said, I forget where the peacemaker versus peacekeeper conversation came in, but we were talking about, like, sorry, being a peacemaker, sometimes that does mean that you, I think because it talks about in verse in Romans 13 or 14, one of the two, it talks about exhortation. And so that means that sometimes you are going to have to exhort people in saying, like, hey, um, I don't agree with this. I don't agree with this. Yeah. Or, like, that might mean going to a fellow Christian and saying, like, hey, in order to be a peacemaker, right, mm-hmm. say, like, hey, I noticed that you've fallen into some really sinful patterns, and yeah. because I love you, I needed, like, that's not Christ-honoring, but in a very respectful, private way, Yeah, I think it should be done. Absolutely. So, I don't know where that came from, but it just reminded me of the conversation no, we just had the other night, so. Yeah. Um, Philippians 2.3 says, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Okay, so I'm going to go on to the next one, and then I'm going to say something about both of these verses. The one that I just read and the one that I'm about to read. It says in Galatians 5.13, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Okay, so the reason I want to kind of put these two verses together in Philippians 2.3 and Galatians 5.13 is because there was something that God really um, showed me. Um, I said I'm like three times just now. Um, (laughs) I did it again. (laughs) There was something that God showed me about these two verses with the term serving or serve. And in Philippians 2, 3, where it said, take, uh, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Now, that's the NLT version, but in the other versions, it's still similar. Um, in order, okay, so in my opinion, based off of everything I've read in the Bible and what God has shown me in my personal life, that's how I'm going to back this up because it is technically my opinion. In order, I don't. I don't believe that God is saying in Philippians two three that we should that that someone that Anna is better than me. What? We are equal, <laughs> but oh, yeah. the so this is not saying I should think of Anna as better than me in 
in worth to the sense that I'm getting depressed because God made her more worth it than me. Right. That's not what I mean. <clears throat> what this is showing me personally, at least this is what I think, is that I need to think, I need, I do need to be in that mindset of Anna is better than me. In, in a sense, to, to, the gr- to the degree that I put her above me in all ways that God shows me to. I put her above me in the way that Um, you know, like for instance, if Anna walked in my house and was having a really bad day, bawling her eyes out, something tragic happened and she just needed someone to talk to, but I'm over here and I'm exhausted because I've been watching two kids all day and I feel like I'm going to throw up because I don't, I don't know why, just for whatever reason, like I don't feel great. I have a headache, all these things. I'm tired. The world would say, no, Sarah, yes, she's having a bad day, but you need to set your boundaries and go to bed. But what God is saying, I need to go the extra mile and think of Anna better than myself. I need to serve her because that's where that other verse came in in order to, because if you think about whenever there were masters and servants, and that was more common, servants were looked at as lowly compared to the masters in their worth. So this to me is saying that when I look at Anna, I should be looking at myself as a servant to her. She is my master. Now, I'm not saying she's my boss, so everything she says I need to do. But what I'm saying is whenever it comes to prioritizing her in our friendship, I need to think of myself as lowly in in a certain way when it comes to Anna Mm -hmm. so that I can serve her with all humility, all vulnerability, all selflessness, you know, Everything that God can give me, all characteristics from God inside of me, I can give to her wholly and fully without pride and selfishness and greed. Yeah. And so it's really your mindset and your heart set of being a servant to the people around you. That way I can think of her as better than myself so I can serve her to the best of my ability. Now, if it came to, you know, obviously I'm just going to say this disclaimer. If my child was like bleeding out the wazoo for some reason, obviously I'm, I'm going to say, Anna, I'm so sorry you're having a hard time, but I need to take my kid to the hospital. <laughs> That's different, clearly. But just on an average day with an average situation, you need to think of yourself um, as not as good. Yeah. Or think of your friend or whoever it is as better. And this applies to marriages, obviously, as well. So that was my, like, that was a big thing to me. Um, But the world doesn't tell you that. The world, you know, like we've said, they say set boundaries. Boundaries are healthy. You do need to have boundaries. I'm not saying that. Right, right. Yes, but there's healthy boundaries and there's worldly boundaries. And worldly boundaries are just very Mm -hmm. self-served. And you definitely don't go the extra mile most of the time. And if you do, people are going to know and you want that. You like it whenever they are boasting about you. You know, when in turn in Christianity, whenever you are a follower of Christ, when you go the extra mile... You do it privately. Or if people do see it, you always glorify God. Yeah. You do not put any glory on yourself. And that is not at all what the world says. So, um, okay, so the next verse is Colossians 3.13. And it says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Okay, so on that very last bit of this verse, it says, As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. The world says forgiveness can be good, but you don't always have to forgive and forget. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you have every right, quote unquote, you have every right to not forgive somebody because they wronged you. But what God says is that we should forgive others like he's forgiven us. Do you know how many times I wrong God in a day? Mm-hmm. I can't even count, I'm sure, how many times I wrong God in a day. Do you know how many times Jesus was beaten, spit upon, mocked, 
I mean, ridiculed. <sighs> he was literally beaten to death when he did nothing wrong. Yeah. And I did that to him. And Anna did that to him. And you did that to him. Yet he forgave us. And he did that for us because he loves us. And God has forgiven us and allowed us to have a relationship with him. So if that's the way, if, if God is saying, as the Lord has forgiven you here, then that means that I need to be forgiving others in that same way. If someone wronged me and I did nothing wrong in that situation, do I still need to forgive them? Absolutely. Yeah. Because that's how God forgave me. Yeah. And now I'm not saying don't set boundaries. Don't let them, you know, if you're being, um, trigger warning here, if you're being abused, you know, or whatever it is. Um, if it's something to that degree, I'm not saying forgive them and let them walk all Continue over you. Yeah. you. Yeah. What I'm saying is go to God, ask him to help you forgive that person. Yes. But then you still need to go to the authorities. You still need to find someone in your church family or whatever to help you through that and to get out of that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying to forgive them. Um, cause that's what God would want you to do. And that's how you should love them. Even if they don't deserve to be loved. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, um, we did the series on this, and then I'm going to read this, and then Galatians 5, 22 through 23, and I'll close this up with some points that I have from the Christmas story. So 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 says, love is patient and kind, love does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude, it is not. In- it does not insist on its own way, it is not irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So, I'm not going to go into extensive detail about that. Anna, I think, has a few things to say about that passage. Mm -hmm. And, like I said, we did a series on it. But I had to include that because we're talking about love. And that's literally a list of what love is and isn't. So, um, but then along with this, I'm going to read the Fruit of the Spirit passage, which is Galatians 5, 22 through 23. And it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So if you pair that with the first 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 passage, in order to have all of these attributes that love is and isn't, like to have all the attributes that love is and also not do and be the ones that it says love isn't. I don't know if I said that right, but you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Um, you have to have the fruit of the Spirit, and the Spirit is God's Holy Spirit. And so in order to have God's Holy Spirit is you have to have the security of salvation. And um, we've talked about this in the past, so I don't feel led to um, share the gospel at this very moment. But um, in order to even love others with God's love, you have to have that spirit inside of you. Yeah. You have to have God doing it through you because you can't do it on your own. So anyway, and then a few things. I did not write extensive notes on these, so I just put a statement there and we're just going to go with it. <laughs> um if you look at the three main, I guess, characters or whatever of the, of, well, yeah, of the Christmas story, it's Jesus, Joseph, and Mary. And the way that they loved others from the stuff that we know about them mm-hmm. through Matthew, Luke, like through reading through the Christmas story, um, they loved people with a godly love. And so we're going to sit here and we're going to discuss it for a minute, I think. That's what I'm feeling led. We'll see yeah. how it goes. Um, But first point is, when thinking of the birth of Jesus and, like, the prep behind that, like, between God and the Son of God, like, Father and the Son of God, um, and then also during and after, the way that Jesus is, Jesus, okay, my neighbor's son is outside playing and it's kind of loud, so I'm sorry if you have earbuds on. But anyway, the way that Jesus loved the Father 
Jesus, the Son of God, loved the Father, obviously is the ultimate way to love. Yeah. Um, his whole life on earth, the fact that he agreed wholeheartedly to come down in such a lowly form yeah. and so dependent, because he wasn't independent when he was born. He was at the most dependent at, stage at of the life. the mercy of his parents. Yeah. And he was at the most vulnerable state that he could have come at, you know? And um, so he did that for his father, to glorify his father by loving us and by loving him, by by loving the father. Um, Humility, vulnerability, all of it, everything you can think of, that was love. Um, Jesus' love toward the father, Jesus' love toward us, Joseph's love toward Mary. I believe that Joseph's love from the very beginning from what we hear in the Christmas story toward Mary was godly Mm -hmm. because before he had the knowledge that it was that Mary was pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit, he thought what anyone would think that she cheated on him, that she went against the law, that she got pregnant by someone else and he was, but the way that he was going to go about it was righteous. Mm-hmm. It even says that in scripture that he was a righteous and just man, depending yeah. on the version you use or you read. And so that just kind of shows you the way that he was going to go about it was good. He was going to privately allow, like, divorce her. That way no one knew. She wouldn't get stoned to death, yada, yada, yada. He left her with a godly love, even yeah. though I'm sure he was hurt and distraught, yeah. you know. Um, Joseph's love toward God was also shown through that. Um, because whenever God revealed to Joseph that it was by the power of the Holy Spirit that Mary was pregnant and that it was Jesus, the son of God inside of her, he trusted him with that. Yeah. And that's what love is as well. You need to trust God. That's part of loving him. And you need to act upon your trust by following through and obeying him. And that's what Joseph did. Uh, Mary's love toward God. Me and Anna... Anna, or Anna and I, sorry, Anna and I talked about this recently on the podcast about how amazing Mary was because she was just a teenager and she was told that yeah. she was pregnant with the son of God and she just went with it. She was like, okay, God, yeah, what you say, I mean, then it has to be true because you're God and I'm going to go with it. And how scary would that have, like, that would have been terrifying yeah. for so many reasons. And it just shows how reverent she was to God, how much she loved God truly. And, um... I don't know. Just a few people that I think maybe you should just read and reflect on how they showed love yeah. through the Christmas story. Because it might really convict you or maybe encourage you. Who knows? Yeah. So, yeah. That's what I got. Very nice. It's amazing um, how, like, the things you say tie into the things that I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Without, because we, we don't discuss this yeah, before. We have no idea what we're going to talk about. Yeah. But I'm going to start off by reading First John 4, 7 through 12. Um, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not know, or anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his perfect and his love is perfected in us. Um, and then now I'm going to read um, 
I was like looking up I don't know I got this from an article from bibleproject.com um, and it says it, I liked this quote from it it says biblical love refers to more than just a feeling it's about caring for someone regardless of their response and it's modeled perfectly by Jesus hmm. and I love that it says it's about caring for someone regardless of their response so yeah. like regardless of how they respond to you you're gonna love them anyway that's good so I've it's, been, I'm not gonna go on and on I just want to say that's something that I really have been thinking about today yeah like literally just today I've been thinking about that specifically a lot today yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. And like the quote said, it's modeled perfectly by Jesus. Jesus, perfect Jesus, who came to earth humbly to die for our sins. First um, John 4, it says that God is love. Um, and Sarah and I have, before this, as she mentioned, have been doing the series on love. Um, and so, but it starts with like the basic, like the basic principle, God is love, as it says in First John 4, 8. Mm-hmm. So we've been going through in this series of verses of First Corinthians 13 at a time. Um, and so if you've missed that, you should go check that out. But right now, I want to read 1 Corinthians 13, but replacing the word love with Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to stop in between, and mm-hmm. I might have some notes and stuff. But um, So I'm going to start uh, in verse 1. Um, if, I speak, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not Jesus, I am a noisy gong or a clinging symbol. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as, a, so as to remove mountains, but have not Jesus, I am nothing. If I, go, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not Jesus, I gain nothing. Um, I'm going to pause here to read Romans 11, 33-36, which says, Oh, the depth and, of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him, and through him, and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. So all that we have and all that we are be, is because of the Lord. Like we are nothing without Jesus. We're mm-hmm. nothing apart from Jesus. Um, moving on to verse 4. Um, it says, Jesus is patient and kind. Um, Second Peter 3, 8-9 says, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So Jesus, the Lord, is so patient towards us. He wants us to come to know him. He's patient in, in that he'll wait for us forever, mm-hmm. if that's, you know, like, if necessary. Um he, he doesn't want anyone to die. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He's not a mean God mm-hmm. who put this plan of, like, judgment in place because he hates us. He did it because he loves us. And then it goes on in verse 4 to say, Jesus does not envy or boast. He is not arrogant or rude. He does not insist on his own way. Um, Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant I love it, it says emptied himself mm-hmm. um, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross so Jesus does not envy a roast he's very humble in fact um, he, he didn't insist on his own way but instead submitted to the father mm-hmm. when Jesus was praying in the garden the night before he was to be killed he said, Lord, 
you know, Father, if there's any of this cup may be passed from me, you know, let it happen. And But then he ends with, but not my will, yet not my will, but yours be done. Mm-hmm. And so he was so humble and obedient to the Father um, in that he, he did nothing to exalt himself and he did not insist on his own way. And if th- imagine if he had, mm-hmm. right? Imagine if he had insisted on it, like we wouldn't be redeemed today. Um, and then Hebrews two fourteen through 15 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who is the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject, were subject to lifelong slavery. So because he like, he took on flesh and blood, he came down as a humble little baby, born in a stable when he deserved to be born probably in a palace. Mm-hmm. He took on flesh and blood, suffered in life, suffered in ministry, suffered on the cross yeah. for our sins to defeat death because death was coming for us and Jesus knew that and mm-hmm. he, he loved us enough that he stopped it. And not only stopped it, he overcame it for once and for all, forever. Back to 1 Corinthians 13. Oh, um, continuing on in verse 5. So, he, meaning Jesus, is not irritable or resentful. Jesus bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And then Jesus never ends. Wow. I like that. Yeah. Jesus never ends. So, imagine for a moment that as he was walking up that hill, Jesus all of a sudden threw the cross down and exclaimed that he couldn't do it anymore. Or that he decided that because of our utter sinfulness and wretchedness, he wasn't going to die for us after all. Mm-hmm. That we weren't worth his love or mercy or redemption. Or imagine him, God, withdrawing it from Adam and Eve in the garden the moment they sinned. And, and destroying them and starting over. Or deciding to forsake his people in Egypt when they were in captivity in Egypt or in Babylon. Or any of the other thousands of times we turned our back on him. Imagine that as he walked this earth, suffering in ministry, he decided that he was too tired or too overwhelmed or whatever it is to continue seeing people and healing them and listening to their problems. Imagine him turning them away. I don't know about y'all, but it's very hard for me to imagine that. I Like it is, because that's not who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to read to you guys from Matthew 14 now. And Jesus isn't all those things. Like Jesus is all these things I just named um, in 1 Corinthians 13. But Matthew 14 is, like, one of my favorite stories, in a way, of Jesus. Just because, like, it's... I don't know. I'm just going to read it to you. <laughs> so, I'm going to start in verse... Um, I think I'm going to start in Matthew 14, verse 10. Um, which says, He, meaning King Herod, sent and had John beheaded in the prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought her. She brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. Right after this, um, in verse 13, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to, to, to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he, spent, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. And I'm going to stop right there. Because this story always, I don't know, it always gets to me. Because do y'all realize how much Jesus must have loved John? Like, that was one of his best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the same John the Baptist that jumped in his mother's womb when Mary came with Jesus in her womb. Because he was so full of joy. I mean, they were connected. From day from, one. From, from day before one, day from one. before day yeah. one. They had this intimate, deep connection. And Jesus must have loved John so much. And so, like, right after hearing that his cousin had been killed, he withdrew to a desolate place. 
And I don't think that anyone would fault Jesus for, like Sarah said, kind of like setting those boundaries. Yeah. And being like, hey, actually, my cousin, one of my closest and dearest friends, who was like a brother to me, just passed away. Yeah. Who would not just passed away, was murdered. Yeah. Beheaded. Beheaded. Yeah. Right? I need a, I need a day. Yeah. No one would have faulted him for that. I yeah. don't think it would have been sinful if Jesus had decided to do that. Yeah. But instead, he looked on those people and he had compassion on them. Yeah. And he healed their sick. That's what it said next. So he performed miracles. He worked for the glory of his father. Yeah. Instead of saying, no, I need time alone. And that's what love does. Yeah. That's what Jesus does. Well, that's does. what we were saying earlier. If you walked in my house right now. Yeah. You know, distraught and all this stuff and I'm just exhausted over here with a headache. It's the same. I mean, it's not to the same degree, obviously, as what right. Jesus went through. But right. it's the same idea in, a, in an average day situation nowadays, you know. Suck it up and help your friend. Yeah. Or suck it up and heal those people. And yeah. preach to them the good news. And have compassion on have them. Have compassion on them. Just like Jesus did. Yeah, go the extra mile. And so that's basically all I had. But I just, I pray, I pray, I pray that you all take time this Christmas to reflect on this. To just sit and think about who Jesus is and all that he's done for you. And like realize the deep, 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 steadfast love that he has for you. And then go and share that with others. I think it's perfect that this is coming on Christmas Day. Yeah. Because the ultimate act. I mean, yes, joy came from... Um, what Christ did for us. Yes, peace. Yes, hope. Obviously, those are amazing things that we got from this, but the overall thing that we got is God's love. Yeah. I mean, that's the ultimate motivation, you know, is love. So. I mean, and looking at all that Jesus did for us, and I understand he was fully God, but he was also fully man. Yeah. And I just, I, thinking about him in that moment, and like the emotion, the utter emotional exhaustion he must have been feeling. I know me as an introvert, I would have been like, "Heck no, I'm not helping those people right now. My cousin just died. Yeah. I need a, I need a day. I need a couple days. Yeah, whatever." But instead, he looked on them and he had compassion on them, <sighs> and so had them come to him. So I don't know. It's just crazy. Okay, so for the past episodes for this month, we have been. Um, sending out texts to people and asking them a question or two questions about that week's topic so like last week's podcast was about joy so we asked people question two different questions about joy and they answered it and we read those on the podcast um this week because we had to kind of change when we recorded we neither one of us have anybody um to read from but i am going to attempt to call my grandparents um and ask them on the spot our two questions about love and they're going to answer for us so we're going to try that and see if it works i have no idea if it will and if not then i'll just cut this part out (laughs) hello hi grandma hi um well is this a bad time or can i ask you a question oh no okay so i don't know if you remember you may have forgotten because it's been a while but i was going to ask you um a question for you remember me and my friend have a podcast where people can listen to us on it Mm -hmm. um and i was going to ask you a question about love and i was wondering if i can just kind of ask you on the spot and the answer does not need to be this long extravagant answer it could literally just be like five words very simple it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. um so i thought i could just ask you you can have a moment to think about it and then just kind of share what god puts on your mind about it okay is that okay and then i might do it with grandpa Mm -hmm. if he's there and okay with that okay so it's actually two questions for you and then two two questions for grandpa um so the first question is what does love mean to you just in a general sense what does love mean to you 
uh, trust, kindness, and thoughtfulness. Hmm. That's good. Okay. And then what does love mean to you when thinking about the birth of Jesus Christ? Um, that he loved me so much. I can't imagine why, but he loved me so much. That's good. We've talked about that some today, too. That's really good. Okay. What well, can I ask Grandpa? Is he there? Uh-huh. Okay. Hello. Hi, Grandpa. Hi. I have two questions for you. Do you have a moment? I don't have many answers today. <laughs> well, can you try? <laughs> I um, guess I can. What does love mean to you, just in general? Like, in a general sense, what does love mean to you? Peace. That's good. Goodwill. Peace and goodwill? Yes. That's good. All right. The second question is, this is the last question also, um, is what does love mean to you when thinking about the birth of Jesus Christ? Say the question again. What does love mean to you when thinking about the birth of Jesus Christ? It means... Uh, Eternity with him. That's good. Okay, thank you. <laughs> that was all I had. See, you had okay. answers. Are you doing okay today? Oh, yes. Good. Okay. Well, yeah. thank you for answering my questions. Okay. Have a good evening. All right, I love you both. Love you too, babe. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow, that was good. Very simple. Very simple. Yeah. Okay, well, there you have it, folks. <laughs> That's it. Um, wow, it's Christmas. Merry Christmas. When this comes out. So Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Um, I want to say something really quickly. Anna and I have not talked about this, but I highly encourage you as a Christian to have some New Year resolutions. Hmm. And I think you need to be realistic about them. Don't say you're going to go to the gym five days a week or you're going to eat healthy and not eat any sweets Monday through Friday. You know, don't don't cut out everything. I'm not saying that, but I think you need to prayerfully think about the year to come and figure out some spiritual things, some spiritual challenges, but realistic also. So if you know that you can't memorize a verse a week, it's hard for you. Don't set that as a goal. <laughs> set, you know, maybe two verses a month. Start start with that and just have this overall resolution to say I want to be more familiar with God's word. So I'm going to, my goal is to memorize two verses a month. That's it for the whole year. Two verses each month. You know, those types of things. Or maybe you want to read through um, all of the Gospels for part of the year. Or maybe you want to read more of the Old Testament and kind of get more of a historical background of certain things. You know, make some realistic um, but necessary, in my opinion, resolutions so that you can grow closer to God this year and challenge yourself spiritually. Um, and then also have some things that aren't spiritual. Um, I think those are fine to have too. Like maybe you want to try a new hobby. Um, but also, again, be realistic with things. Anna, do you not like that idea? No. Oh, you made a face. <laughs> not at you. You're not even paying not attention to what I'm saying, Anna. <laughs> Texty. I'm just kidding. Anyway, all I'm saying is I think it's good to have New Year resolutions, spiritual and non-spiritual. Um... I definitely have my list, and it might seem like a long list once you look at it, but then you actually read them, and it's like, some of them are like, 
Like, one of them is I want to go to a pottery class, but at least one time. Like, I want to do it more, but because I know myself and how busy I am. Yeah. One time is my goal. If I go more, that would be awesome. But one time is my goal. So, like, be realistic about it. But also, that would be a fun thing to do with a friend. Or maybe it could be a lost friend, um, you know, to maybe have a connection with them and hang out with them and share God's word. Or maybe you're like me and you don't have very many Christian friends um, anymore. Uh, I don't. Like, in my immediate area, I only have a few. And so, I want to have more Christian friends and more of a community with that. And so... Um, my goal for this year is to hang out with my Christian friends more often. I guess I'm just chopped liver. I said I have a few. You're in the few, Anna. <laughs> Anna over here is Miss Popular Gal, though. She has, like, 50 bajillion friends. Oh, yeah. Um. I have, like, five. <laughs> but, okay. You have more than that. No, you just have, like, maybe a few good, good yeah. ones. Yeah. Anyway, so, like, one of my goals would be, like, to hang out with my Christian friends more often, you know? But I didn't put, like, once a week because that's not realistic for me. You know, I'm not going to overdo it and overwhelm myself. Right. So, I mean, it, you know, I think it's healthy to have um, your resolutions, especially the spiritual ones. Um, yeah. So, I just want to encourage you guys to do that. Think about it. Pray about it. Got anything else, Anna? Mm-mm. Okay, she's going to go back to texting your buddy over here. <laughs> it's not my buddy. It's my boss, if you must know. I'm just kidding. I got... Listen, once we finished the main session of that, I listened to your phone call with your grandparents. I'm not going to lie. I was like, okay, we're done. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, zoned out. My mind moved on to other things. Okay, well, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bye.